And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This week, witchcraft, charlatans, a Canadian plot to annex the United States? Enter the world of Eli McElveen and his award-winning series Alba Salix, Royal Physician. All this and more coming up on Radio Drama Revival. Hey, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of audio drama, past, present, and future. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. I've been reading this book called The Bizarre Careers of John R. Brinkley by R. Alton Lee. Anyone who's been within a mile of me in the last few weeks has certainly heard me talking about it. Dr. John Romulus Brinkley of Milford, Kansas was a huckster, a swindler, a quack, and a fraud. And I'm prepared to say he's one of the founding fathers of the radio medium. In the early 1920s, Brinkley set up a medical practice in a small Kansas town. He swiftly achieved national fame and renown for his revolutionary new procedure, designed to combat impotence by implanting goat testes right up into a man's business region. Yep, you heard me right, goat testes. All of this would be a weird footnote in a medical history textbook, except for the way that Brinkley advertised his cure-all compound operation, as he called it. See, in 1923, Dr. Brinkley toured KHJ in Los Angeles, a station that's still around to this day, and later that year, Brinkley opened KFKB in Milford, Kansas' first Kansas Best, and he used that station to advertise his operations, diagnose people over the radio, and play music. He was one of the nation's first program directors, and when the American Medical Association drove him out of the country, he began to broadcast from a Mexican radio station that was first licensed at 50,000, then 150,000, and finally a million watts. In the 1930s, this radio station, XERAM, which was located in the Mexican state of Coahuila, sharing a border with Texas, could be heard in Canada. Now, by contrast, the radio station I came up in, KWUR 90.3 FM, had a Class D educational license and an effective radiated power of 10 watts, which turned out to actually be 9 watts. It transmitted about a mile. Now, I started reading this book because of the program we're going to be featuring today, and the man I'll be speaking to later in the show. Neither Alba Salix, the royal physician of Farloria, nor her creator, Eli McElveen, are quacks by any stretch of the imagination, not at all, but I wanted to feature an episode of Alba that was about patent medicine. It's one of my favorites in this first season, which won a Gold Ogle Award for fantasy at the 2015 Here Now Festival in Kansas City. I'd say it all comes back to Kansas in the end, but the festival happens on the Missouri side of Kansas City. Darn. Anyway, here's what you need to know about Alba Salix before I play the episode. She's a cantankerous witch, responsible for running the House of Healing in the kingdom of Farloria, which is medieval in the best and vaguest way. Alba's staff comprises Holly, a cheerful fairy with a song in her heart, and Magnus, a brash young surgical acolyte of the Dragon Mountain Monastery. With all that bouncing around in your head, get ready for today's feature. Alba Salix, Season 1, Episode 5. To Market, to Market.
Lovely fresh King textiles, 30% off fabrics. Hi, we're from the House of Healing. Have you had your immunization for pony pox? Hi, we're from the House of Healing. Hello, Alba. Oh, hello, Professor Sprengler. I came to ask. My neighbor has been taking a potion for his lumbago, and I was wondering if you stock it. What kind of potion? I believe it's called Frenosapax. We don't stock it. I'm told the results it provides are quite astounding. Last visit, I gave you an herbal tea and some exercises. Why, yes. And how are those going? I, I haven't really had time. Oh, you people. Everybody just wants a pill or a potion or some other easy way out. Try eating better. Get outside a little. Don't drink so much mead. I'll do my best. So, do you think you'll carry Frenosapax anytime soon? I don't care if it cures leprosy and straightens out crossed eyes. We don't carry it. All right, then. Hi, we're from the House of Healing. Honestly, if I ever get my hands on whoever is shilling this stuff... Alba? Yes? It is you. Who? Alba. You're looking fantastic. Withrow Lee? What are you doing in Granville? Oh, I'm just in town for a conference. Who's this kid and why is he dressed like a monk? My apprentice, Magnus. He used to be with the Dragon Mountain Order. Hey, hey. No used to be. Magnus, this is Withrow. He's a... an old friend. Oh, friend, is it? Well... All right, we were more than that. Boy, were we. Okay, say no more. Back in the day, we were the diabolical duo, the paranormal pair. Let me guess, you met making stone tools down by the watering hole? Oh, a wise guy, huh? We met at Hazelbrook. You went to witch school? Don Tootin. Did you learn any cool dark magic? Oh, I could tell you some stories. Dark magic was strictly forbidden. In other words, your school was lame. It was not lame. Says the girl who dropped out to protest the curriculum. She turned the headmistress's chair into a beanbag before storming out. A beanbag? <laughs> Full of carnivorous Malorian jumping beans. Okay, that's pretty good. See, why can't you teach me stuff like that, Alba? You have to ask. Well, it's been nice to see you, Withrow. Excuse me, Miss Salix. Yes, how can I help you? Uh, do you carry Frenosapax? Frenosapax? Funny you should ask. No, we don't. It's useless pop for useless people. Go away. Oh, thank you anyway. Soft-hearted as ever, I see. Fifty Crown says it's elderflowers and molasses. Whoever's selling it, I bet they're making a killing. And if I ever find out who they are, I'm going to stuff them head first into a pill bottle. <laughs> uh, so, a royal physician, eh? Uh, not too shabby. Oh, yes. It's great fun running the neighborhood clinic in the National Health Policy Office, on top of tending to whichever royal majesty stubs their little toe. And here I am, on my supposed day off, running a booth at the market. And I have to file a report with the Chancellor tomorrow about the state of local witch-run clinics in the countryside. <laughs> That's my Alba. Always the overachiever. Why don't you take a break? <sighs> don't I wish... I can take care of the booth. Come on, Alba. Get some fresh air. It's market day. Uh, all right. Magnus, take over for me. And no skipping off this time. You can count on me. <clears throat> By appointment to the king and queen, Alba Salix, royal physician. <laughs> Episode of the fifth. To market, to market.
I always love the market. The food, the hustle and bustle. The easy marks. Hey, now, my business these days is strictly above board. I see. Candy apples, three pennies each, two for five pence. Hey, you want a candy apple? They were always your favorite. I don't like that woman. She lives with her father and treats him like garbage. Just this once. Here. Candy apples. We'll take two. Certainly, sir. Thanks. Here you go, Alba. That'll be five pennies, please. Can you break a sovereign? Not a problem. You want it in shillings? That'd be great. Actually, hang on. Give me four shillings and... No, wait. Make that three shillings and twelve ducats. Twelve? Oh, silly me. I can't do math. Twelve plus thirty-three and one is eight, so... Why don't I give you back one and you give me five ducats, three groats and a crown? Uh, of course. Keep the change. Really? Thank you, sir. Have a lovely day. And the same to you and the lady. There you go. Strictly above board, eh? She won't figure that out for hours. <laughs> Maybe never. You really haven't changed, have you? Did you miss me? Not in the least. Yeah, you did. Eat your apple, you. Hi. Sorry I'm late. Hey, Magnus. Where's Alba? She went off with her old boyfriend. And when I say old... Oh, she has a boyfriend? Is he nice? Say, Holly, have you heard of this new potion for Nosapax? Yeah, everyone's asking about it lately. I think it's a scam. It totally is. We should sell something like that. You are not selling placebos! Okay, we can throw in some ingredients or whatever. How about this stuff? No! I told you, we're almost out of sludge wart. So don't use so much per dose. Spread it around. If we could crank it out in big batches, we'd sell hundreds of bottles. Thousands. That's not how the House of Healing works. Which is why we've been missing the boat. Look, I'll just use a tiny drop. Hey there, Holly. Hi, Magnus. Hello, Jerome. Is uh, Alba around? I need something for the shrew flu. Why, if it's the shrew flu you've got, sludge ward is the best relief. Uh, this doesn't look like sludge ward extract. Because it isn't. It's what we healing experts call an essence. Did you know that... Dilution actually increases the effectiveness. Magnus, that's ridiculous. In fact, the more times we dilute, the stronger the essence becomes. Really? That's not how it... You're a blacksmith, right? You know how my fellow monks of Dragon Mountain make their swords? Uh, What, by folding the metal over and over? And beating it thinner and thinner. Keeping it lightweight and making it amazingly strong. And you say, I am full of (laughs) woo-woo. That's incredible. How come you don't do that with all your potions? It's a brand new technique. Everyone knows about the fantastic healing properties of the humble sludgewort plant, but it took the genius of Miss Alba Salix to realize that by diluting it, you multi-amplify its potential by a factor of 100-fold. Wow. Here, give it a try. Ah, oh, I think I feel better already. See, Holly? He feels better already. I'm telling Alba. That'll be... Three crowns. Uh, Alba never charges that much for potions. This is our first premium product offering. If you have any side effects, we'll give you double your money back. How about it? Well, okay. Thank you, my good man. Here you go. Thanks. Uh, tell Alba I said hello. Sludge Ward Essence, only three crowns a pop. Hello there, ma'am. How are you feeling today? So, Withrow, what's this conference you're here for? The big magic exhibition isn't until November. Yeah, this is just a sales conference. Hey, want to head up to the bridge? Mm, 
It's not exactly the greatest neighborhood on the other side. Well, we don't have to cross. We'll just go up to the lookout. All right. Anyway, it's not like you couldn't defend yourself. Remember Scotty Gostrander? Oh, God's the chosen one. Hazelbrook's greatest boy hero. He defeated one lousy hydra. And then he was dumb enough to challenge you to a magic duel. And before he could get his first spell out, you up and hit him in the face. Smug little creep. Withrow, why did you have to go and tell my apprentice about our school days? Why not? That was our finest hour. But now he's going to be all excited to learn about dark magic. Hmm. Reminds me of this girl I used to have a thing for. You were the one always trying to summon demons. They're not all evil. No, just most of them. And it wasn't all dark magic. Lots of it was just being creative. Remember the sneezing powder in Miss Sarah Ling's spell book? <laughs> well, that was a good one. Oh, she turned half the class into slugs. <laughs> the only time I saw her matter was when you set all the exam papers in the room on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Achende meum ignum. Careful now. It's okay. I didn't do the hand motions. It is a nice view, isn't it? You can see clear out through the sea of squidge. It's beautiful. You know, I've lived in this city for years now, and I've never bothered to come up here. Maybe you should get out of that house of healing more often. I really should. Hold it right there. Can we help you? Yeah. Put your hands in the air. You stay quiet like mouses, and nobody has to get hurt. What? Thank you, sir. Enjoy. Step right up. Don't be shy. I'll take some of that sludge war. You bet. That'll be six crowns. Six? Supply and demand, lady. Oh, shoot. That was my last bottle. Hey, anybody got any empties? Or your own container? Half price if you drink it on the spot. I got some empties here. Awesome. You, sir, are a fine, enterprising young gentleman. I'll give you a nice shiny crown for him. Make it five. Five crowns? Each. What? Supply and demand. What's taking so long? One crown each. Four. Take it or leave it. I'm not paying you four crowns for one bottle. Oh, well. See ya. No, wait. I'll... Here. Nice doing business with ya. Kids these days. So, if diluting the stuff makes it stronger, shouldn't we water it down even more before we take it? Yes, that's a great idea. How many bottles you want? In that case, I guess just the one. Should last us years, right? No, because it doesn't keep. But the hit. I'll give you half and we can split the bottle. Hey, count me in. The more ways we split it. All right. Each you give me two crowns and come by my kitchen. I'll give you your share. No, that's not allowed. This is a specialized process done by specialized specialists. Do not attempt to water down this complex formula at home. Home dilutions are killing magic. <laughs> Here's your six crowns. Not if you're going to split it. That's 12. No, 18 crowns. <gasps> Say, let's talk to Henry. He bought a bottle earlier. Maybe he'll share. Where are you going? Hey, I just paid 40 crowns for these damn bottles. Hey! I'm serious. Your money or your life. I'm thinking neither. Come on. All your valuables in the bag or I start getting expressive with this here pig stick. What's so funny? Oh, nothing. Potes volare. Ah! 
I was thinking maybe turning him to ice, but levitation's pretty good. Please, I'm afraid of heights. Hmm, this bridge is a bit tall, isn't it? Majestically tall. Quite a long way down to the river. Ah, I'll do anything. Hush now. You wouldn't want me to lose my concentration and... Ah! Drop you. You ought to be more careful who you try and rob. I didn't know she was a witch. What does that matter? You don't rob people. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'll turn my life around. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Look at him. For a second there, I thought you were going to let him fall that whole way. From up here? It'd kill him. From halfway down? Well, it'll hurt, but he'll be fine. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Maybe you should take up crime fighting as a new hobby. Oh, I've missed doing this kind of magic. <gasps> oh, except for the headache and shortness of breath. Short of breath, you say? Have you ever tried Frenosapax? Tried what? Oh, don't tell me you're on the bandwagon, too. I'm uh, kind of the local sales rep for Farloria. Really? All right. So what's in it? It's an all-natural herbal formula. So is stewed pimple grass. No, this is the real deal. Not only does it relieve pain, it brings down inflammation, evens out your complexion, and it's great for ulcers, too. Here. You make this? I'm a distributor. I can send some your way if you're interested. It'll add ten years to your life and take ten years off your age. Okay, knock it off with the sales pitch. Oh. Tastes all right. That's usually a bad sign. Mm. Hmm. You might be onto something, though. How's that headache? Works fast, doesn't it? Quicker than the caffeinated beavers of Lake Zoom. All right, I'm impressed. Come by my room at the inn and I can give you a whole lot more. Buy a lady dinner first? Why, naturally. So, Mr. McWinnie, what can I help you with today? Well, I've got this toothache and a ringing in my ears whenever I open my eyes. Have you tried Trinosapax? Tried what? It's an all-natural herbal formula. Not only does it relieve pain, it boosts your stamina, balances your humors, and it's great for warts. Is she going to prescribe that stuff to every single patient? Sure sounds that way. i got to find out what's in it. Me too. You are not touching this stuff. Remember what Alba said. Figures. I'm not allowed to have a side business. But her old flame comes to town selling junk potions, and she's all over them like mice on gingerbread. How are those bedpans coming? I think this violates the terms of my community service. Good morning, little lady. I have an appointment with Miss Salix. It's Abe, right? Just fill out this patient information form, and Alba will see you in a minute. Private for Nosapax for a week, and let me know if there's any change. Thanks, Miss Salix. Bye now. Abe, fancy meeting you here. Hey there, McQuinney. Never thought I'd see you at the doctor's office. Yeah, I got an ulcer, I think. An ulcer, you say? Have you ever tried Phrenosapax? Uh, rhinocer, uh, uh, what? It's an all-natural herbal potion made from oily sandflower and cheeseweed, plus 16 secret ingredients. And it cures ulcers? Yep, it's the real deal. Not only does it relieve pain... That's exactly what Alba said to the guy before last. This is creepy. I need to test the stuff. Alba! Send in the next patient, Holly. Alba, what exactly are the active ingredients in Frenosapax? Why, it's an all-natural herbal formula made from oily sandflower and cheeseweed, plus 16 secret ingredients. And why are they so secret? Say, I hear it's great for headaches. Magnus! Yep. This is the real deal. Not only does it relieve pain, it improves your eyesight, adds body and shine to your hair, and it's great for headaches. And it seems to be controlling what you say. Nonsense! 
How can an all-natural herbal potion have any effect on what I say? Yeah, Holly. Say, what's the cure for rocket fleas? Rocket fleas? You might want to try this new product we've got. It's called Phrenosapax. Oh, you've heard of it. It's all you've talked about since we opened this morning. Well, it does have a thousand uses. Can I try a bottle? Absolutely. Here you go. Alba, I have a hangnail. Magnus! A hangnail? Well, we have a new product just in that you might be... What am I saying? See? You keep talking about this stuff. <gasps> oh, I hope this wears off. That's why I need to test it. Good idea. See if it's a Moliari curse. Holly! <laughs> nope. Not Moliari. <gasps> I see why people like it, though. I feel pretty good. That's how you test it? It's my protocol number one. What? I feel fine. That was incredibly stupid. I only took a tiny sip. You know, I think I might have gout. Gout, gout you, you say? Have, have you, you ever, ever tried Phrenosapax? Why, no, I haven't. Magnus! It sounds amazing. Stop it! What else does it do? Oh, oh it's, it's a, a wonder, wonder of, of modern, modern medicine. medicine. Not only does it cure gout... It erases wrinkles. ...builds strong teeth... And it's great with pie! Golly gee! What's it made from? It's, it's an all-natural natural herbal formula made from oily yeah. sandflower and cheese weed plus That's 16 crazy. secret ingredients. Magnus, if you do that one more time, I will cuff you. Totally, totally worth it. Be right there. Alba, back for more already? Why, yes, you devil. And I could use another couple of cases of Frenosa packs, too? Mm, I can do. Take as much as you need. Oh, it's been flying off the shelves. What a day. I I could use a dose myself. Go right ahead. Thanks. That's odd. Does this taste funny to you? Funny? Here, have a sip. Well, seems fine to me. It, it isn't expired, is it? Can't be. I just bottled that batch. So you bottle it yourself? It's a secret process. I can't tell you much more than that. Well, of course, you can tell me all about it. It comes out of a special keg I got from Mr. Benvenido. Wait. Why did I just say that? Say what? You swapped the bottle! That wasn't Frenosa packs you gave me! No, we altered the recipe a little. So instead of selling more, it makes you tell the truth. Withrow? Alba, I wouldn't lie to you. For instance, where might I find this magical keg? Why, it's in my trunk. Hey, no! Alba! Get out of the way, Withrow. I... I have a headache! A headache? Have you tried Frenosa packs? Nice try, you sleazy cad. Ah, Alba, what's Frenosapax? Let me tell you all about Frenosapax. It's an all-natural ah, herbal Alba. potion Ow. made from oily sandflower Ow. and cheese Ow. meat plus 16 secret ingredients. Help! Alba, please, I bruise easily. Not only does it relieve bruising, it brings down swelling, Ow. heals up friction Ugh. burns, and it's great for black eyes, too. Oh, except that it doesn't really do any Ow. of that, does Ow. it, Withrow? No, but it does relieve pain. For a little while, and then it fades. And every time you take it, it does less and less. At least it works quickly. Quicker than the streaking cheetahs of Hyspedia. This little keg here? I'm guessing it's enchanted to provide an endless supply. Am I right? That's right, Alba. Don't. Mr. B will kill me if anything happens to it. Who is this Mr. Benvenito? He invented Frenosapax. He's from Quaytox. Oh, a demon then. I should have known. And this conference you're in town for? I've been sworn to secrecy. Oh, I assume Mr. Benvenido is running the show. Yes. 
Please give me the keg. And where is the conference? At the Weird Fellows' Lodge on Knife Sharpener's Lane. Alba, I think I have the plague. The plague, you say? No, Alba! Sorry, Frenosapox won't cure the plague. Withrow, it's been fun, but I draw the line at prescribing snake oil to my patients. If I ever catch you pulling this sort of stunt again, I will have you chucked in a dungeon so fast it'll give the streaking cheetahs vertigo. I'm a dead man, Alba. He really will kill me. You should have thought of that before you started working for a Quatoxian demon. He'll send me to the... the... Home office! Alba, I like my skin. I want to keep it. You'd better help me out then, hadn't you? Yes, Alba. When I was diagnosed with Marthambles, I couldn't look my friends in the eye. But I talked to my doctor about Frenosipax, and guess what? It worked. And today I have a full head of beautiful hair again. Thank you, Frenosipax. There you have it, folks. There are thousands of stories like Countess Carnelia's. Thousands of ways that you are making a difference. So, are you having a good time? Who's having a good time? Yeah! Look at them. These people are crazy. Keep your voice down. If anyone finds out I smuggled you in here... Let's talk a bit about our three-pronged approach to sales. First, of course, is our spreadable messaging. It's more contagious than the pony pox. Second, our fabulous incentive program. And we'll be rewarding our amazing points leaders in just a few minutes. And thirdly, our live and learn program. We call it teaching by example. Could I have Vin Prang, Alicia Bergesto, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and Clarence McMainly up to the stage. Yeah, come on down. Hi, guys. Glad you could make it. Now, these folks are unfortunately at the bottom of our points ranking this quarter. But that's okay, because we're going to make their experience into a learning opportunity for everyone. Step right up on those marks. That's right. Now, these three are going to our home office in the hell dimension of Quatox for some hands-on education right now! See? That could have been me. There's still time. Now get out there. Live and learn, folks. But now, it's time to award a very special vacation on the beautiful Mercurian Riviera to some very special and hard-working sales representatives. I'm talking, of course, about everyone in the room! Yeah! You and you and you! Everybody here gets a vacation! <laughs> what a bunch of chumps. Where's my drink? Uh, here, Mr. Benvenido. Uh, what is this? I said wood alcohol. This is goddamn Frenosapax. Uh, sorry, sir. Uh, wrong bottle. What's your name? Uh, with uh, Withrow Lee. Ah, yes, Withrow. How are you? Enjoying the conference? <laughs> yes, sir. You remember this contract? Signing over your soul and all your earthly possessions to me? Remember the penalties for non-compliance? I, I didn't really read that part. And this is why we don't do deals with demons. <laughs> Say, folks, according to this, our good friend Wuthrow Lee has just earned an upgrade from re-education at the home office to eternal torment! Achende meum ignum! Oh, now, Wuthrow, did you really think that would work? Burning up one little piece of paper... When I have six more copies filed away in separate magic-proof vaults? 
No, but there's still a loophole. Who the blazes are you? An interested party. Mr. Benvenito, isn't it true that you and your company can be banished from this earthly plane by saying your name three times? Of course it is. But it would have to be my true name. <laughs> Why am I telling you this? Must be something in the water. Th that drink. You tricked me. Oh, Lee! She made me do it. What's your true name, demon? My, my name is Astraxo. Oh, damn it! Thanks. Astraxo Diabolum. Astraxo Exeus. Astraxo Epugai. Hello, Campmet Mystical Group. My name is Serticus. You're requesting the banishment of the demon Astraxo to his home realm of Quatox? That's right. No problem, ma'am. I'll just need you to answer three verification questions for me. Aha! Uh -huh. What? It's just standard policy. Question one. What school did Mr. Astraxo attend? Astraxo? Tell us. Well, I would. But I'm afraid I've gone and forgotten the answers. I don't think he's lying. You've forgotten what school you went to? I expunged all those useless memories when I took over the family enterprise. <laughs> Childhood. Such a pitiful, unproductive time. So what school? Braxonic College? A demon of his rank? Nah. Was it Creepside? Thank you. Oh, lucky guess! Question two. What was Mr. Estraxo's favorite book growing up? How old are you? Seventy-two. Go! Oh! That narrows it down a little. Uh, Gertie the Goblin, The Sword in the Stove... The Littlest Unicorns. That's not true. I hate unicorns. That's the answer I have here. Finally, what was the name of your first pet growing up? I didn't have a pet. I ate every animal that came into my family's cave. Well, maybe so, but it says here you named at least one of them. Remember, was it a bunny? I'm not saying. A kitty? I can't hear you. La, a lightning la, la, lizard? La, la, lizard. Aha! What did your lizard look like, Astraxo? What color? <laughs> red. He was red. Did he sleep on your bed at night? <laughs> he used to sleep with the coals in the fireplace. Or if he wanted to cool off, he'd sleep on my pillow. <laughs> he was the best. And you called him... Bloodstone. Oh, God! Thank you for verifying. We'll just go ahead with that banishment now. Have a great day and thank you for choosing Camp Man. Wretched humans! You'll be hearing from our lawyer! <laughs> Good riddance. Well, good news, everyone. You're free now. No longer slaves to a cruel, avaricious demon. Uh, don't all thank me at once. Uh-oh. That was our livelihood. And now you've voided our contract. What about my free vacation? Alba! There's just no pleasing some people. Run! To Market, To Market, Episode 5 of Alba Salix, Royal Physician, you heard Barbara Clifford as Alba Salix, Julian Sark as Magnus, and Olivia John as Holly and Bertha, with Abbas Hussein as Withrow Lee, John Palmieri as Jerome and Mr. Benvenito, Elaine O'Neill as Countess Carnelia and Serdikos the Imp, George Bertwell as Abe, Marisa King as Angie and the Apple Seller, and special guest Tim Cischini as Professor Springler and the Mugger, written and directed by Eli McElveen. Recorded in Toronto at Trench Recordings. Sound designed by Eli McElveen. Produced by Sean Howard. Associate producers Carter Siddle, Eric Portolos, Mark Fenwick, Josh Claver, and Dave Addison. Alba Salix Royal Position is a Forgery League production. 
visit forgeryleague.com. That was Alba Salix, Royal Physician by Eli McElveen and Forgery League Productions. Let's go now to an interview I recorded with Eli not long ago. Eli, thank you very much. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So I heard in your interview with Jack Ward of the Sonic Society back in May of 2015, you have this file, you have like a joke file, like a Milton <laughs> Berle style joke file, right. um, full of just gags. So in episode five, in To Market to Market, uh, the, the A plot is about this drug called Frenosapax, which I assume probably came out of the file that you, you came up with as you were commuting to work one day. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, are you at liberty to divulge any other fantasy drug names? Uh, well, I, yeah, I just started collecting like made up um, drug names. I guess I've, like I've got relatives who've had, you know, organ transplants and, and are on a host of wacky sounding mm-hmm. uh, real medications. But, uh, you know, it's there's so many of them that they've got to make up more and more elaborate and weird names for them. <laughs> so so I started to make up my own. It's like bufolacane and, and schlamazolol and <laughs> things like that. Sure. They don't really fit into a fantasy uh, or a fairy tale world quite so well. But uh, yeah, Frenosapax uh, is is the the exception. Frenosapax works for me because yeah. I feel like it it somehow has with its kind of spiky combination of of consonants this demonic connotation. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> makes sense when it's what's the name of the what's the name of the demon realm again? Uh, Quatox. Quatox. Yeah. yeah, which again also sounds like a medication. Yeah, or or a giant drug conglomerate. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of uh, our um, our most uh, broadly satirical episode, I guess, because you know there's a bit of uh, humor around big drug companies and their sure um, their practices, as well as uh, making a bit of fun of homeopathy on the other uh, the, the other plot. I, I wanted to play to market to market because I feel like it has the most punch to it. I really like Alba Salix because I, I think that it's this really fun, broad comedy. But I also really like when there's an angle specifically. Mm. You know, living, living in the United States, I have such a rosy view of the Canadian <laughs> health system. Uh, I was wondering if you've had any experiences with, you know, the Canadian health system that inspired you to make like a, a medical comedy. I haven't had to go into a hospital, you know, knock on wood myself, but I've, uh, I've, I've spent a fair amount of time in hospitals visiting relatives for, mm-hmm. for various things. That was, that was sort of my, the sum total of my, my experience, really. Sure. What I like about the show, and I think you've said this before, is that you wanted to do a medical show, but you didn't want to be bogged down with actual medical accuracy right which is you know to be fair is not something that most medical shows concern themselves with a whole bunch either so what i like about what you how in setting this medical show in a fantasy world is that it recasts the rules and the stakes into something that Mm. a non-medical professional can understand right (laughs) and even in episode four a chance to cure there's that moment of oh dr house got it wrong right? right first they think it's egotism and then it turns out to be this separate cracked mirror self-regard charm right right um and i i just thought that was really fun and accessible and cool oh cool what's what's the what's the status on uh on season two how's everything going uh season two there's a bunch of plot lines and uh episodes partially written um right now 
uh, been more concerned with uh, the spin-off that I've been doing uh, in the meantime. Oh, is that the Axe and Crown? That that's the Axe and Crown. Yeah, it's um, it, it sort of thought to to tide people over between seasons uh, of of creating this this show that's. Uh, a lot lighter in terms of actual production requirements, so I can crank out a bunch of of shorter episodes. Okay. Uh, yeah, smaller cast, less less in the way of uh, sound effects and things like that. What is what is the pitch for the Axe and Crown? What is it about? The Axe and Crown. It's in the same it's in the same world as Albasalic, so still a fairy tale world, but uh, mm-hmm. it's across the river in the bad part of town, <laughs> uh, where there's a bar called or a tavern called the Axe and Crown run by a troll named Gubbin <laughs> and his niece, who's uh, new in town uh, at university, uh, named Batula. And it's them and their landlord, Stan, who's just inherited the building um, uh, from a certain character in uh, episode four of Alba. Okay. That, that's, that's currently the, the only real uh, point of contact between the two shows so far in the scripts. Should I hazard a guess, or do you want me to keep my mouth shut? Uh, that that it's it's uh, it's a member of the Gerard family. Well, sure, he's the he's the thief king, right? He's sorry, the the um, real estate dude. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, I went in a completely different direction. I was like, oh yeah, of course the the famous French highwayman is going to be a slumlord somehow. <laughs> but no, that's not what you were getting at at although, all. Although although we've uh, talked about uh, having him on the show too. Sure. There's this in episode four. For listeners, if you haven't heard it, there is a um, there is a sword fight that takes place between Magnus, the surgeon's apprentice, um, and this highwayman who barges into the House of Healing, and they have this um, like great Errol Flynn, Basil Rathbone style sword fight that takes place across the you know the examination tables on the front desk of the House of Healing. In my experience, it's always been very difficult to determine who has the upper hand <laughs> in combat in an audio drama. Uh, because so much of that is uh, informed by the visual. But what I really liked about the way that scene was blocked, the dialogue very clearly indicates who is in control at all parts of that scene, and I found that very satisfying. Oh, cool. Basically, I had just written it and was was ready to uh, just have the characters do a bit of wild sound and hoo-ha, um to that I could paste together into a, into a coherent fight scene but basically that's that I think that might have been the first take pretty much as it is very nice uh, and just overlaid some the sound of of uh, a couple of kitchen implements <laughs> and some chairs and that and between Abbas and Julian uh, they 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 were just right in on it and 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 sold it uh just perfectly I thought so I I hardly had to do anything except to, like bang some spatulas together. <laughs> so how long have you been writing, Eli? That's hard to say. I mean, I've done I've been doing radio drama for for ages, uh, but writing seriously for maybe five years. Okay, but you started you started doing radio theater before college or while uh, you were at university. Well, uh, d- uh, Julian, who plays Magnus, and uh, another friend of ours. And I started doing this goofy, um, short-lived science fiction show uh, on cassette mm-hmm. uh, called Cretans in Space in, I think it was grade 10. <laughs> do, you, do you have any recordings of that? Any I digitized do, recordings of that? Not digitized. I'm, I'm kind of afraid to crack open that case. 
but uh, yeah, that that was that was our first exposure. Uh, I think we'd been listening to Hitchhiker's Guide and things like that. I, I guess my question is: Would you be willing to air that much dirty laundry? Oh Lord, I'd, I'll I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> Uh, I have, I have, I have my own embarrassing treasure trove oh, of sure. uh, of early sketches that I would be happy to send you <laughs> as kind of like a blackmail counterweight. <laughs> where did you Where did you get early sound effects? Um, it was oh man, there I was actually using a Commodore sixty four. Okay, uh, which ha- had actually a very capable little synthesizer in it. Um, so that was like rocket sounds and you know mm-hmm. your bridge hum. And uh, things like that. Um, yeah, in, in uh, Julian and I did did a bunch of weird music experiments in high school. Like he would be playing guitar and and making up words, and I would be playing sound effects records backwards on the turntable and mm-hmm. things like that. So you 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 two have been friends for a very long time. Yeah, uh, we we met in middle school, uh, and yeah, started hanging out and doing music and things in uh in high school and he yeah he was in theater and and met um at least two or three of our cast uh there and that that was sort of the our our link so the the cast of alba salix is composed then entirely of julian's friends from york and then and the scarborough players and friend yeah um uh one of his classmates marisa uh, ended up in a ton of uh, productions in in theater troops all across the GTA here, uh, sorry, Greater, greater Toronto area. Thank and, you. And, and yeah, so so I got involved doing sound design uh, first off on uh, production of Midsummer Night's Dream. Must have been ten years ago now. So it wasn't that it wasn't that you began in theatrical sound design and then came out of that to radio drama. Yeah, it's more that you've been weaving in between the two for a decade. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was pretty much starting in yeah more on more on the audio drama side, but but yeah, and then making the jump to to doing theater. So you've been doing theater and you've been doing comedy. So you did you did a comedy show while you were at university away from Julian, right? What was that called? Uh, that was the optimistically called filler. Uh, with a with a with a ph um and it was uh, when i first started at university it was just getting off the ground as well and was billed in the uh the program guide i think as uh, an experiment in audio landfill <laughs> and i got in touch that's with that's very that's very confident yeah know? i know i got in touch with the guy who was uh um doing the production work on it and we got to emailing and i sort of got in the back door that way uh, I we were basically scrounging for every sound effects record we could find, um, doing stuff with, with actually splicing reel to reel tape here and there. Um, we we didn't have a whole lot in the way of facilities, um, and not a whole lot in the way of scripts either, <laughs> which which kind of got in the way. But uh, it was it was uh, loads of fun and a great great way to learn. So this question is going to expose how how young I am, I think. But what what was it like to edit using reel to reel tape? <laughs> well, Sonny, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we we didn't get uh, like a proper Pro Tools machine until I'd been there like a, a, a year or two. Um, but it was, yeah, there there were these big old 
I mean, not to not scruffy. to imply that you are ancient beyond the can of man. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, you you were at Waterloo what in the mid nineties? It would have been nineties, like, yeah, yeah, late nineties. So uh, they had digital audio work. Eventually, programs. I mean, yeah. Ev- eventually, we did get a Pro Tools machine in there, and 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 there was a um, like a. Record. It's not like computers didn't exist. You have a computer oh, science yeah. degree, yeah. right? You're a yeah. I just want I just want the audience to know. That you're not just sort of sitting in a, in a cave in Scarborough banging rocks together and somehow this, this product comes out. Yeah, there were, there were occasionally, uh, there were rocks literally banged together. <laughs> uh, like I did a promo for the radio station that was uh, um, based on a, a, I think I think the school paper had uh, made fun of us for being more talk, less rock. So we, of course, put a put together a little promo that was like CKMS FM, more talk, less rock, and and I found a couple rocks out in the parking lot, and that actually led into some of the sound effects in Alba, really, because the the sound of a centaur getting a chiropractic treatment <laughs> isn't generally something that shows up in most sound libraries. Sure. So the, the I was like casting around, going, well, "How the heck could I do this?" Um, and then I remembered the sound of those rocks being banged together, and it's like that's kind of it's 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 like a rock. It, it's like the impact between two big bony things. I just had to muffle it a little bit, slow it down so it sounded bigger, and then kind of layer it. Yeah, that's a good gag. <laughs> In the world of the show, do they have professional associations do they have guilds oh there's guilds yeah if you were in one of the guilds in the world of the show what which one would you join oh good lord <laughs> like thieves guild blacksmiths guild mages guild i don't know there's it's banging rocks together guild or something like that <laughs> are, are you would you say you might be in like the musicians guild or the entertainers possibly guild? yeah scribes I'm, I'm not sure uh, so many hats yeah the multi-hat guild yeah, that may <laughs> jack of all trades is... The two of us talking about music makes me want to talk about the music of the show. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, because that was one of the first things that really grabbed me about about the production was the, the theme tune. Um, because I listened to it, I was like, oh, I bet this fella has listened to some of the same records as me. <laughs> yep. Is, so is it is it true that you've listened to a lot of like Fairport Convention and Steel Eye Span? Uh, more Steel Eye Span. Um, okay. I'm a little less familiar with the others in that, and they're scene but yeah mm-hmm. my dad's record collection he had uh, a pile of uh, steel ice band records from the the mid 70s and they um yeah when we first when i first put together a, like a rough cut of episode one mm-hmm. i i used um their track thomas the rhymer uh-huh um, so we should we should discuss what that sound is. Uh, what is the sound of the second English folk revival? Yeah, well, Steel Eye Span in particular had taken all these traditional ballads, uh, you know, collected by folklorists mm-hmm. in like centuries past, and yeah, they they'd set them to this very new sounding kind of hard rock sound, and then um, brought in gorgeous harmonies with um, like Maddie Pryor and, and everybody else in the band. The way I think about it is if you took some of the the polish away from Jethro Tull, mm, like some of the mm. swagger away from Jethro Tull, right. and put in multiple vocalists and a little bit of a more acoustic sound. Yeah. Some, you know, uh, that would be Steel Eye Span for me. Obviously, there's yeah, there's electric guitar, and that's that's really important, but there's also, like, Penny Whistle. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ian Anderson actually uh, produced that, that track, uh, Thomas the Rhymer. Oh, did he yeah. really? Yep. That that was that was him on that album. How about that? <laughs> is the is the flute is the flute 
an actual flute or is it it's not it's not an actual yeah it was uh yeah because when i i was i was thinking about the music for this series and i was like well the the obvious choice is like something orchestral but i have no means to do that without it sounding like a you know really rinky dink synthesizer sure but what i could do was but that is that is yeah. you playing bass right yeah 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 um so yeah it's like i can do folk rock and that would that would actually ha- fit better with with like the tone of the show because it's sure. got kind of a modern sense of humor set in this uh, goofy fairy tale world. I I appreciate that there's just I think it it says a lot about the show that it has just the right amount of anachronism <laughs> going for it. How many instruments do you play? Uh, I mostly play guitar and bass, and I can okay. I can plunk around on a keyboard until something sounds kind of all right and <laughs> and i am enough of a wannabe drummer that i can come up with a, a like a plausible sounding drum part sure so the producer of the show is sean howard yep and he is your partner yep how did the two of you meet uh we oh geez that was the, many many years ago we met online this was before it was before people met online really at the time he was uh running a, a web design company uh, but he's worn a whole ton of hats in the past. Like, uh, uh, I think I mentioned photography, mm-hmm. um, which he's pursuing right now. He's been a professional juggler, uh, mar- oh. marketing executive, and uh, these days is doing a lot of like coaching artists who want to to turn their passion into a career. Basically, to um, how, what are the steps you need to take, and, and how do you? Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, he's got he's got a podcast of his own as well uh, called Taking the Leap, which is all about that. Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, so, what what is it like to work on something creative with your partner? Uh, <laughs> that's that's been pretty good. Uh, working on a website with your partner um, at three in the morning <laughs> sometimes got a bit rocky. Sure. Uh, we yeah we worked. Uh, I, I I was uh, working at his company for a while. Um, but yeah, creatively it's, it's been fun and, and that's partly because we, we've each got our realm. I, you know, I have, I have friends that are in other creative and romantic partnerships yeah. and they tend to silo the responsibilities yeah. and have very I think, discreet roles. Yeah. Unless you've got a very specific kind of personality that, that can handle that. I don't know what that would be. Uh, I think it's probably safer. I'm doing all the writing and, and, um, post-production work and things like that. Um, Sean has been doing all the organizing, contacting people, catering, driving people places. Oh, man. And, and, and yeah, basically keeping the actors fed and happy. And, oh, so and, important. And not hating me, <laughs> <laughs> which has been crucial. Like, I so he's, not, he's not only the producer, but also like the production manager and the assistant The director. cat wrangler, basically. Yeah. Sure. On recording day, I'm in there directing pretty much wall-to-wall for the entire mm-hmm. day. And uh, Sean is making sure that people are, are ready for their scene, uh, lets, lets people know when they're, they're next up, and gets them their, their scripts and things. And I'm just in the booth trying to remember where the heck uh, we are in the script and which lines we've done. And So I noticed that you were credited as a dialogue editor on the 11th Hour Productions yeah. uh, Vultures Over Low Doves. Yeah. What can you tell me about about that process? Did you go down to to Buffalo to meet with everybody? No, or were I'd, you I'd, were you an eye in the sky? I was kind of the eye in the sky. Yeah, I'd I'd met with um, Monique and uh, Matthew Boudreaux from Oral Stage, who were mm-hmm. uh, on one of our trips to to Buffalo. Matt uh, says hello. By the way, oh hello, <laughs> hello guys. Um, 
Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So we we said we should we should totally do something. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't make it to the recording session, but they they trucked all the way out to uh, uh, somewhere near Boston um, and Lowell, Lowell, I yeah, Lowell, Massachusetts, um, mm-hmm. and worked with some of the guys from Hadron Gospel Hour and a ton mm-hmm. of other shows, and um, yeah, just recorded this script in in a day. Shipped it off to me digitally uh, as as they were driving back across New York State, and uh, yeah. So and that, I love that. Yeah. I love this this new tradition. And I, I what I what I love most of all about what that production represents is that finally all these disparate producers are talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. You know that makes me so happy. Yeah, it was it was fun because it was it was kind of a relay race, and I'm I'm, I'm splicing together the the dialogue and then. Um, shipping it back to Matthew of mm-hmm. Dropbox and uh and then he did all the the sound design and um put in a few um retakes and things and uh and then it was ready like a day and a half later or something like that. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That was a really that was a lot of fun. Do you think you're going to do that next year? Oh, I hope so, yeah. So, okay. So before Alba Salix, mm-hmm. you had been planning on doing this adventure sci-fi comedy. Yeah. That was, I think, about maybe the worst cruise liner in the galaxy. Yeah, is that right? There, there's, there were a couple. There was there was one that uh, was sort of had the working title Niagara, which was about aliens and on planet Earth in the modern day, and then there was this the other one uh, about uh, a cruise line. Uh, those are those are pretty much backburnered for now. They okay. may they may rear their head down the line. That was my question. But, uh, so you might you might unshelve them sometimes. Yeah, it depends it depends if uh just what <laughs> which of them sparks my interest in you know a year or so cuz uh the, the next one after uh season 2 of Alba Salix I think is going to be I'm calling it the Canadiana project. I don't have a, a real <laughs> title for it. Uh it's okay. the 100, 150th anniversary of of uh Canadian Confederation. We're going to be okay. it's our sesquicentennial here uh, in 2017. Mazaltov. Uh, so, thanks. And uh so f- in honor of that, I've got this kind of weird alternative history thing that I'm hoping to spin out into a, a long-running uh show. Is it a Canadian annexation of New England? Uh, I think that Is might it... be involved. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me of your secret plans for domination, McElveen. Yeah. Uh, can't say any more than that. The Damn it. Tim Hortons may be involved in there somewhere. I wouldn't mind that so terribly. <laughs> oh, I should congratulate you on, on winning the uh, the Ogle Award last oh, year. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Did you did you go to was that at the National Audio Theater Festival? It was, yeah. Uh they're uh here now in um in Kansas so it was City. Kansas, Kansas City, City right? yeah. Which was uh a lot of fun. Met some some really cool people there and uh yeah, I mean t- to be handed an award by <laughs> David Osman of the Fireside Theater and Right. And uh yeah, that was that was kind of a thrill. Yeah, it was what? it was it was a good time. So, so did you did you grow up listening to a lot of um, a fire sign? You listened to. I remember you said you listened to the Frantics. The a Frantics, lot. yeah. Uh, my mum had a copy of "Don't Crush That Dwarf" uh, mm-hmm. by the Fire Sign Theater lurking in the the back of the the record cabinet. That that just blew my mind as a as a teenager. Good record. It yeah. It is so dense and and layered and and <laughs> so much going on. Like there's all these different timelines. It's it's basically this guy sitting in this dystopian future watching himself on television 
Right. And and there's you know different stages of his life are just sort of flitting by, and it's like you're you're kind of channel surfing. This is like 1973 or something like that. I think 71. Uh, oh, even. geez. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They they were so far ahead of their time. Just amazing records. So, okay, so you listen to a lot of studio comedy and also live sketch comedy as well. Yeah, yeah. Monty Python. And, and tell me more about The Frantics. I was not, oh, the fr- I was not familiar. The Frantics uh, had a long-running show on CBC Radio. Um, okay. Yeah, Saturday mornings, they, 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 did, they did sketches. Um, there's a certain element of their humor, I think, in, in Alba. I've, uh, I think I remarked on uh, Sonic Society way back that... Magnus in Alba is basically a character named Ed Gruberman only as oh, a kid. Oh, from the Taekwon Leap. Uh, yeah, Taekwon Leap. He's a wannabe martial artist, basically, that uh, wants to learn to, to boot people in the head. Oh, I wanted to ask you, and this is this is un- this is the only thing that made me uncomfortable about episode one. Yeah, is John Palmieri's Father Lang That's, voice? Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> can I, can we talk about that sure. for a little bit? <laughs> What, what, so I listened to the Taekwon Leap sketch yeah. and it's, you know, it's this, uh, um, reverent, basically a Kung Fu master yeah. going over the tenets of the philosophy yeah. and talking about how it's important to meditate. And, you know, this hoser pipes up in the back and says, Hey, my name's Ed Gruberman. When do we get to start, you know, hitting bozos? Yeah. Um, right. Is that, is that it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thereabouts. Um, but they do that without using that kind of stock. Fu Manchu Asian cookie accent. monster, I think, was uh, right. the description. <laughs> that, uh, that, yeah, jo- John was a, a little nervous about. It. I, that's, I am a little bit, yeah. That that's not my favorite moment either. In in retrospect, I mean, look, I I have also done I have also done those things. Yeah, uh, in in audio drama, there is a we did in college this sketch called Montana Morris. That was our uh, Indiana Jones yeah. knockoff because we just decided, oh, state name plus Welsh last name. He was a heroic paleontologist, and he ended up in a Shaolin monastery. Right. And we used those voices. And I listened to that now, and I'm like, what was I? Yeah, what was I thinking? Yeah. I, I, but I will, I will take uh, full responsibility for that. For for saying, yeah, go with that. Yeah, I think I think it's just there's been there's been this really this really fraught and complex history of of race bending that's not the term of like cross of oh, playing totally, yeah. across race yeah. uh in in radio yeah. that I think we need to be we need to be cognizant yeah. of um and as, as someone that's half asian and uh, I've been sort of blind to it um and and having a cast that 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 has a number of asian people in it I'm like oh geez I should be doing better than this you know I just I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah. I wasn't sure where to go with that, and I don't want to. I don't want you to feel that like I'm shaming you, no, no. you know, or that. But that was just something that I I noticed and was aware of. Yeah, it's it's ah. the point is well taken. Can I can I ask what your uh, what your podcast list is like? What are you listening to? Oh, uh, geez, there's there's sort of the usual suspects like ninety nine percent invisible. Sure. Uh, there's um, a, a writing podcaster to uh, the one called writing excuses it's uh oh yeah. yeah you just went on that uh that cruise the, in october they do yeah they now do an annual cruise in uh, they had started out doing workshops at the family home of one of the uh, the podcasters but just outgrew that within a couple of years and realized we we could teach loads more people but why don't we do it 
where we don't have to, you know, do the catering and the cleanup and it's, it's, you know, wheelchair accessible and things. And sure. Well, why not a ship? (laughs) Uh, It's it's probably the only thing that could get me on a ship. Right. Uh, I I I remember reading that you'd like clawed a a line of scabs into Sean's arm or something. That's that's pretty much literally true. Um, Yeah. I, I don't do well on boats. This was not a boat. This was a giant ship that, yeah. They, they say, oh, you don't feel it. It's it's actually true in my case. Sure. Yeah. I just, how do you, it would be very difficult for me to sell a writing retreat on a ship. Like all the fun of being in Brandon Sanderson's living room, plus the threat of norovirus, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was well, they're, what... they're everywhere with like, there's Purell squirters in like every three feet. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose a ship is better because it's open air, but I mm. had the uncomfortable realization the other day when I was flying back uh, with my girlfriend from Chicago to San Francisco mm-hmm. that a an airplane is just a tin can full of farts and sneezes. <laughs> Basically. You know? Yep, yep. It's just, it is a literal disease vector. Oh, yeah. Because oh. it's full of snuffly people in motion. Yep. Man. At least they don't let you smoke anymore. <laughs> I don't miss that. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. So, you were saying you had gone on the oh, yeah. on, on the cruise. Um, yeah, th- that that was a, actually a great experience. And then um, I was working uh, then on the brand, the then brand new idea of the Axe and Crown and mm-hmm. uh, spent a lot of time banging out ske- um, ideas for episodes. And yeah, one of them, I just sat down and, and wrote basically a, a 10 minute episode from, from start to finish, which is not something that, that I normally do. I'm not, um, as, as, uh, the writing excuses, people call it a discovery writer where I just sort of put one foot in front of the other and, and write from the beginning of the story to the end. I'm always like coming at it completely sideways. Like, what do you mean? Uh, just uh, sometimes there's, there's the outline of a, of a story and I know the plot points that I'm trying to hit and I'm basically filling in all the details. It's kind of coming into focus like a like a photograph. Interesting. As opposed to, you know, end-to-end. I don't do linear very well. Let's say we're looking at an episode of Alba. Yeah. And it's got an A story and a B story. Yeah. Would you write those two stories separately and then twine them together? Generally, or do you... yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be two s- separate ideas that, that seem to have a certain... Uh, compatibility and then i'll yeah stick them together see see if there's there's parallels i can draw and then be just making decisions about where to to change focus from one to the other do you have a character that is your most favorite to write um well <laughs> i'm finding i'm especially with with working on accent crown now i'm i'm really enjoying writing ditzy characters okay the 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 landlord stan is is a classic ditz that um and that's just been loads of fun to to live in his very strange little brain um, <laughs> well because you're the only you're the only writer for these shows uh, right yeah yeah so that that allows that gives me the authority to sit back in my armchair and psychologize you from, from the <laughs> skype co- connection um are there, you know, are there characters that that you feel reflect parts of your personality? Yeah. Is there like a like a a brittle crankiness to you that you disguise that comes out in Alba, or is that is that based on someone else? There, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of me in all of them, I think. Of course, yeah. Um, is there one? Is there is there a character that is most like you? Do you feel? Ah, uh, 
or is you there know, no Alba. you know author insertion character going on in there? It might be Alba, where it's uh, feeling a little bit overwhelmed sometimes, and and uh, having to to be kind of forcibly opened up and cheered up. Uh, I guess I guess that was what was really fun to see yeah. was was to. She doesn't thaw exactly, but she does get a lot less stiff as she becomes across the season. She becomes more, more easy in the company of Holly and Magnus. Yeah. She allows herself to let more of the, it's it's less it's less a wall of ice and more the wall of ice comes down to reveal thorns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you can you can pick through them where you couldn't get in before. Yeah. Which yeah. I find well, I she, find really interesting. She's learning to trust, basically, over the the, the course of the season, and mm-hmm. and learning to have a bit of fun, really. Again, sure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Not at all. Thank you for having me. This was a wonderful time. Thank yeah. you for being uh, my first ever interview. Uh, I I feel privileged. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you be well. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Cheers. Take care. And with that. I do believe it's time to wrap up this traveling medicine show. Thank you for listening to Radio Drama Revival. If you'd like to chat, get at us on Twitter. We're at Radio Drama. You can also find us on Facebook and Tumblr, and you can always email me at david at radiodramarevival.com. At our website, you can find our show's magnificent archive. And if you're a producer, I want to hear your work. Submit it at radiodramarevival.com. And hey, while you're there, consider throwing us a buck or two. We want to bring you this fabulous audio drama, but we also want to pay those hosting fees. Our brand spanking new theme music was produced by DJ Stranger Danger out of beautiful Oakland, California. This track is called Danger Digidoo. You can find Stranger Danger on SoundCloud, and I really recommend you do. The show this week was produced by yours truly, with production assistance from Matthew Boudreau, Monique Boudreau, and Heather Cohen. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhouch. I'm David Reinstrom. Goodbye, and happy listening. The all-new Toyota RAV4 asks, what if? What if your ride was refined and rugged at the same time? Introducing the all-new RAV4 Hybrid. 208 combined horsepower and standard all-wheel drive make it the most powerful RAV4. Plus, with its head-turning style and breakaway speed, it's bound to change the way you think of a hybrid. The all-new RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota. Let's go places. Horsepower. Ratings achieved using the required premium Melita gasoline with an octane rating of 91 or higher. Premium fuel is not used. Performance will decrease. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.